Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's different about the new Chicago Bulls coach? Is Lowry Markkinen the Bulls' savior? Will these changes turn the Bulls around? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today, I am excited to have on the show, friend of the breakdown, Darnell Mayberry, who is a senior writer at The Athletic, covering the Chicago Bulls. And last we spoke... It was in 2016, believe it or not, Darnell, and you were not even covering the Bulls back then. Yeah, lots changed. Um, and now you really don't have many, many reasons to talk to me now that I'm covering the Bulls. <laughs> well, uh, what do you like better? Let's, let's, let's give you a chance to burn it down. You like OKC better or you like Chicago better? Are you talking city? Are you talking city. basketball? Yeah. I mean, by the way, I'm, I grew up in Chicago. So uh, okay. what do you like better? The cities. Well, I mean, I don't think you would find too many people that will say Oklahoma City is a better city than Chicago. I do, having lived in both now, I do know that there are uh, there's a lot to love about Oklahoma City. I mean, it's it's convenient, it's relatively cheap to live, the people are friendly, there's no traffic, like there's a lot to love. It's a growing city. Um, the weather's hit or, hit or miss, but you don't have to deal with the Chicago winters and you know things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I really fell in love with Chicago, man, over the summer. This is my first summertime that I actually spent here full time. And uh, it's as good as advertised when people talk about summertime shy and all the things that the, there are to do, festivals and, and the beaches and the restaurants. And, man, it's it's just a great city. Absolutely. I will not argue with you there. I was I spent a lot of time the last during the fall back and forth there, and uh, it was always nice to go back. So let's talk about the Bulls because they are certainly on everyone's mind recently with a new coaching change. And I thought we can break right into it and talk a little bit about what you're seeing now from the new Boylan era. It's the bald Boylan, not the one with hair. Uh, and it's A-N. Am I correct in saying that? B-O-Y-L-A-N and not E-N? You would be talking about the other Jim Boylan if you said A-N. It's oh, no. I, even I can't get it right. So it's, I'm sorry. It's the E-N, Boylan, who is now coaching the uh, Bulls while the uh, Boylan is still um, suing the Cavs and coaching somewhere else right now. But nonetheless, uh, what are you seeing from the new era that uh, could be different from what we saw with Hoiberg? I'm seeing a lot more energy. Uh, these guys look like they're coming out there playing harder. Uh, you saw that from Tuesday night. And, and Jim Boylan's first game uh, at the Pacers, the, the energy just looked a lot better. In fact, they were remarking on, I think, one of the broadcasts, I think uh, on the Bulls broadcast, that television broadcast, I, I should say, that <laughs> the players were tired because they weren't used to playing such hard defense. Uh, and so Jim Boylan, after the game, called out the conditioning and said, yeah, he thought they got a little gas at the end of the game. So um, you're seeing a lot more energy uh, to, Throughout the games, a lot more competitive spirit, which is the thing that uh, front office talked talk to them about. That's what they wanted. 
I don't think we're going to see too many X's and O's changes right now. I mean, he's he's got a lot that he needs to do now that he's head coach, but I think that's coming soon. So is it really the case that like it's a sudden switch that Wendland's brought to the table where all of a sudden they're just going to play much harder? Or is it one of those times where we've seen it in the past, uh, a head coaching change gives you that flash for a few games and then it kind of dies down and they go back to their, their usual ways? Well, everything that I've been told is that Jim Boylan holds everyone accountable in ways that Fred Hoiberg didn't. So uh, anything that they felt like they could have gotten away with maybe with with uh, Hoiberg, they're, they're not going to be able to do that with, with Boylan, according to people I'm talking to. So uh, I think that's the biggest difference. And, and players now, they know that any little sign of slippage is going to be called out and it's going to be corrected. Okay, so held accountable is one of those terms we hear a lot of in the coaching ranks, and it's never clear to me exactly what that means. Do we t- are we talking like film session in your face, f bombs? What the hell's wrong with you? Or what does it look like in Chicago? Well, here's a perfect example. I'm glad you said film sessions because Tuesday night this was the first game. Uh, you know, they lost. I think it was 96 to 90 to the Pacers. Uh, and and we're sitting outside waiting for Jim Boylan to come out and, and address us. Uh, after the game, and it's just taken not forever, but uh, unusually long. And turns out he put them through uh, a couple of film uh, sessions, not sessions, but a couple of film clips uh, right after the game. He showed them poor defensive rebounding and turnovers. So, uh, you know, for, for a team that just lost a close game that they had a chance to win, it was a seven straight loss. Uh, he had just put them through a marathon practice on Monday, his first one a marathon shoot around on Tuesday morning. And then after all of that, he, he makes them watch clips of, of turnovers and bad defensive rebounding right after the game Tuesday. So, uh, you know, he's calling out things because he, he says he wants them to learn while they're hurting. He wants them to understand what they're doing wrong. And that's how he's trying to hold them accountable by being direct, by being honest and, and not letting anything slip through the cracks. All right. So it does sound like, that's what Hoiberg did by letting things slip through the cracks. I guess that is personality where he doesn't want to challenge people like uh, with histrionics or, or was he just at the end of the rope here where just, you know, he was kind of punching the, 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 the clock and, you know, not quite doing that, those things. Yeah, there were some, there was some talk about how he would let things slide and, and, and players. I mean, I even wrote a, a big piece about how, um, you know, Hoiberg was losing the locker room and, and players were losing faith in his system and, and, and really just outwardly being sort of rebellious uh, toward Hoiberg. So, you know, Jim Boylan, there was a uh, uh, something that was passed along to me that one of the players was, was kind of talking back to him and, and giving him some lip and, and, and Boylan stopped everything and, and said, no, this is not what we're doing. And so I think that's what the Bulls and the players can expect uh, going forward under Jim Boylan. Hmm. Uh, okay, interesting. Now, you mentioned that uh, they were rebellious outwardly with uh, in, with Hoiberg, and I'm assuming that means somewhat recently versus what we saw with maybe Jimmy Butler to the press a couple of years ago. So, uh, what what was an example that you felt like that they that they were being rebellious like that? You know, the the biggest probably. Um, you know, I wrote I, I reported that Antonio Blakeney was uh, coming out of a game one time, and he he said. You know, why the F am I, are you bringing me out? And I uh, said it kind of loudly and, and um, uh, in, in a, an act of insubordination from what I'm told, uh, right in front of the bench and, and everyone sort of 
Like, what is that about? And, you know, you got Antonio Blakeney, who's, who's fighting to stay in the league, uh, talking to a coach like that. And, uh, Antonio Blakeney has denied that he said it. It's important that I say that. Uh, but I've got multiple people telling me that, that he did, in fact, say it. So, uh, you know, that's one example. Um, and Zach Levine, uh, there was a game late where he waved off Coach Hoiberg and he waved off an oncoming screen from Wendell Carter Jr. and went ISO one-on-one himself uh, and then missed a shot <laughs> late in the game. So uh, things like that, little things big and small, are just there was mounting evidence that the players were kind of doing uh, what they want and, and just feeling free to to not really listen to Hoiberg as much. You know, it's possible one of the reasons why Coach Hoiberg wasn't listened to was because he didn't look the part enough. And I'm sure if he wore more coaching polos from Fanatics, his fortunes could have been a little bit different. I'm wearing one right now, and it's by far the most comfortable shirt I own. And I love the design. Fanatics is the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. There's a gigantic sale happening right now over at Fanatics.com, and you can get jerseys, sweatshirts, winter jackets, backpacks, tons of apparel and gear, all branded with your favorite team and or player. And if you buy a jersey of a player that gets traded within 90 days, They'll replace that jersey with another player from that team or your favorite player's jersey on their new team. They've got thousands of products for college and pro hoops fans. Join Fanatics Rewards today and earn fan cash on every purchase. And get free shipping through December 31st by using my link, fanatics.com slash coach Nick. That's fanatics.com slash coach Nick and get free shipping through the end of the year. Well, let's talk about Lowry Markkinen, and he just got back in for three games. They're one and two, and he looks like he is slowly getting better and better each game. Um, what are you seeing out there, and is it fair to put a lot of pressure on him to be this some sort of savior for the Bulls? I, I, see, a, I see a talented young man who is extremely versatile and extremely confident in his skills. Um, he is going to be a, a really good player in this league uh, with all-star potential. He can shoot it. He can start to put it on the floor a little bit. In fact, he made the game-winning play last night uh, against the Thunder, uh, putting it on the floor and, and getting to the rim for a layup, uh, tough, tough layup too. So, um, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna be a really good player. Okay. Um, now. I think that the future here looks like Lowry Markkinen, and I love Wendell Carter. I feel like that was he was the guy I felt like was better than his teammate at Duke, Marvin Bagley. And uh, it, it's safe to say that the, those are the two guys above all else who the Bulls want to build with. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, Zach Levine, you would probably throw in that mix as well. They just matched the contract the Kings gave him that seventy-eight million, so he's definitely in the future plans. Uh, but but you do have to start with Markinen and Wendell Carter because those guys just are, are rare uh, breeds for their size and, and what they're able to do and all the different skills that they bring to the table. So uh, those are definitely the foundational pieces, but, but I, I would throw Zach Levine in there. And also Chris Dunn. I mean, you gotta, you gotta realize that the man has, he had a rookie, tough rookie season under Tibbs. He had a nice uh, sophomore season here in Chicago and, and now he's been hurt for most of this season. He's only played one game. So 
Uh, when he gets back, it's up to him to show that he belongs in that group. But right now, it's those three. Levine, Markkinen, and Wendell Carter. Well, you know, when... Um when he got to the league, uh, sorry, when he got there in the Zach Levine trade, when Chris Dunn did for, um, to Chicago from Minnesota, I kind of felt like I'm, I wasn't even sure he was an NBA guard the way he played his first year, and he really blossomed. So is that the kind of thing that we should credit Hoiberg for, for developing him and helping develop marketing? Sure. Chris Dunn does. So I think we should if Chris Dunn does. So, uh, you know, he talks about how much Hoiberg helped him with his shot. Uh, you know, Chris Dunn's still not a, a, a great shooter, but he can uh, he can make you pay if left open, and he can take them with confidence and, and make big shots. So he's continuing to improve, and he's putting in work. He put in a lot of work with Fred Hoiberg, working with his mechanics and and uh, and his shooting motion and how he gets a shot off. So uh, Dunn had a lot of success uh, last year, but he's still got a long way to go. Well, the Bulls are currently in um, 13th place. They're six games out of the eighth spot. Uh, there had been talk for this whole time, uh, at least until marketing came back, that like they were tanking and interested in, in getting a higher draft pick in, a, in what looks to be a pretty good draft. What is your sense of what their overall plan is going to be for this year? You know, I think if they end up turning it around this season and winning and ending up like the 10th pick or 11th pick, that could be bad um, because they, then they don't really have many mechanisms to go out there and get another star player a or a star player there there there's still some concern here in chicago a lot of concern that the team still doesn't have the franchise player to really build around us if we're as talented or as the core three are that i've just mentioned none of them really look like a foundational piece for a championship team you know like the, the main franchise player for a championship caliber team they're all great pieces to have, and you, you love having them in the fold, but you still need that Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett or whoever that might be to come in here and be, be sort of the final piece that you can really start to build around. Interestingly enough, I, I don't know if Zion is the answer only because it feels a little bit redundant with marketing and with Carter, right? Or am I crazy? I mean, the way Zion Williamson is being covered, I mean, he's like the second coming of Michael Jordan, isn't he? Like, isn't he, isn't he supposed to be like the next yeah. greatest thing? I just think next LeBron, if not Jordan? Right, but positionally, it seems like he plays the same position as those guys, I'm like, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was at the Champion Classic uh, when Duke played Kentucky, when they just beat the brakes off of Kentucky, and, and the guy who really popped him to me in that game was R.J. Barrett. Uh, I think R.J. Barrett would be a great fit in between uh, Levine and marketing. You slide him into the three. I think Zion Williamson is probably going to be more of a four in the league. And, and uh, I love R.J. Barrett's ability to shoot the ball more. Even though he's streaky uh, and he's, he's improving, I think he's a more, more of a natural shooter than Zion. Uh, and now I could look crazy five, five years from now saying I like R.J. Barrett more than more than Zion Williamson, but but you know if you're talking about fit, which I know teams don't really aren't supposed to draft for fit need uh, that high in the draft, but uh, I, I really do like R.J. Barrett's tools. He can do a lot of things, and I see him as a as a perfect fit in between Levine Marketing and Wendell Carter. Okay, and, and fair enough. And it sounds like that is that's probably where they're looking at. Because the question then is is if they're uh, incentivized to get a higher pick and not have a, 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 a a high, a good record, then, you know, why even fire Hoiberg, right? Like, why not keep it the way it was going and they're going to be able to, to, to lose all those games anyway? Uh, 
it's real. It's, it's de- it depends on who you ask and, and what you believe. Because on one hand, Hoiberg got a raw deal. He only got 24 games this season. Uh, he got one game with Larry Markin, and he got one game with Chris Dunn, and I think he got four games with Bobby Porter's. Uh, you know, Denzel Valentine has missed the entire season and he will miss the entire season with after going uh, undergoing ankle surgery. So uh, Fred Hoiberg, no doubt about it, got a raw deal. As soon as these guys are all getting ready to return to the lineup, they get rid of them. Now, maybe they did it because they felt like, um, you know, when those guys came back, they were going to run and, and they didn't think Hoiberg was the guy anyway. So they, it would have been much tougher to get rid of them. Say, have they gone on a five-game winning streak once Larry returns? So maybe that explains the timing a little bit. From everything John Passon is saying here as executive vice president of basketball operations, he's saying that uh, you know they didn't feel like the team was building good habits. They didn't feel like the team was playing hard enough and, and being competitive enough. Uh, and he saw things uh, publicly and behind the scenes that just weren't sitting well with him. And he made him feel like a change was needed, and that change needed to come from the head coach. And do you, and we've seen that change, and we've seen the team play differently and, and more toward that. Uh, final question, do you, is this sustainable? Or do you think they're going to maintain it for the rest of the year and keep up that competitive uh, spirit? Well, it's going to have to – because Bobby Portis are coming back, and they're going to have close to a healthy roster again, with the exception of uh, the aforementioned Denzel Valentine. But uh, at the same time, now these guys are all going to have to learn how to play together. You know, Zach Levine, Chris mm-hmm. Dunn, and Larry Markin only played 12 games together. I think they're at 255 minutes last season. So uh, the, those guys haven't even shared the floor. I mean, they, this is their second year together, but they've been on the court so, uh, so infrequently that they have to figure out how to play off of each other, who deserves the ball, who needs it when, who, who likes it where, things like that. Uh, and then not only that, but you're throwing Jabari Parker into the mix, and also Wendell Carter Jr. That's and Bobby Portis. That's a lot of young talent to have to figure out how to mesh and coexist. And, and Jim Boylan and his staff now are going to have their hands full trying to figure out how to make that work. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for breaking that down. My hands are full having to deal with all those details that you dropped on us. So uh, I can't thank you enough, Darnell, for coming on the show. And uh, we'll have to check in with you later this season to see uh, what's what's what. Hopefully the Bulls can turn it around and uh, be worth it having me on. <laughs> it's always worth it having you on. Thank you so much for doing that for us. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Darnell? I'm in.